0: This is Lab Medicine Rounds, a curated podcast for physicians, laboratory professionals, and students. I'm your host, Justin Kreuter, the Bowtie Bandit of Blood, a transfusion medicine pathologist at Mayo Clinic. Today, we're rounding with Dr. Carol Rizkala on how to be a successful visiting medical student. So Dr. Rizkala is a visiting medical student here at Mayo Clinic. She actually comes to us from a foreign medical school, so she's the right person for this topic. I think this is a wonderful, special topic. This is being released as a special episode in Lab Medicine Rounds because this is really focused on the student segment of our audience. And so with that, I want to say thank you Dr. Rizkala for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: So let's dive into this topic and you know this is going to be really an evergreen conversation probably for people to share and and reshare in future years with people as they're starting to think about doing external rotations in pathology. So can you kick us off with why are external rotations in pathology important from the student perspective?
1: I'm a future applicant here uh, for pathology. And so I'll be applying for uh, pathology in the upcoming match. And I think it's very important to show and explore your interest in pathology. Pathology is very unique. It's a very unique specialty that I don't think many of us go into medical school knowing that we want to do this. I think most of us will go into medical school, you know, quite with an open mind, but we haphazardly come across pathology, and that's how that was my experience. I did an observership, and then from then on, I just I had to keep going. So some similar stories could be that students, you know, may have been in surgery and they followed up the specimen to the frozen section, and that's where they saw that pathology has a huge role on intraoperative management, for example. But other than that, I think that knowing about pathology, it has to be intentional. And so doing an elective like this is a way for you to explore your interests and also show the programs that you know what pathology is about because it's so unique. And that you know that although it's not necessarily what you had in mind going to medical school, it absolutely fits your criteria. So I think a lot of nerdy people and people that love to study and love to be learners and students, they fall in love with the pathophysiology aspect and the diagnostic aspect of pathology. So I think that's really important to explore when you're on your elective.
0: I love the way you phrase that because it is a true statement that understanding of what is this field and practice of pathology? Everybody, for example, is rotating through surgery in medical school. Everybody is rotating mm-hmm. through internal medicine. But yeah, pathology sits in a different space. And I think your point from a student perspective, it's important to know, is this really the life that interests me, that excites me, that I want to pursue? And and as myself, from the perspective of faculty interviewing students, I think it's really helpful to know that somebody really does have, as you said, that intentional exposure to pathology. And on that note, I mean, I'll say also the anatomic and clinical pathology sides, if that's what they're applying for. I'm kind of curious for your thoughts on going through it. Do you think that you sort of start to get to understand about the particulars of a program or maybe what kind of questions you might be asking when you later interview because you do a rotation?
1: Mm -hmm. So pathology in of itself, it's it's a very, very broad specialty. And so we know like the the main program in the United States is anatomic and clinical pathology. And that's huge. It's absolutely ginormous because we're covering every organ system. And then the clinical aspect as well, in terms of laboratory management and transfusion medicine. So it's, it's very broad. And so having exposure to these sorts of specialties and how diverse pathology is, I think is very important. It allows you to see the breadth of the specialty and potential like subspecialties that you're thinking about you know specializing in the future so it's very important to get that exposure
0: i said in the introduction that you are coming with an international perspective mm-hmm. uh, you know adding that into the mix you're, you're talking about how practice is here in the united states what's unique from an international perspective
1: yeah so i've done a couple of rotations in both ireland and in canada And I would say the pathology is quite different in those countries and from the United States. And it's quite interesting. So in Ireland, I think most of the programs are actually based on surgical pathology. And they have five full years to dedicate to the specialty. And it's mostly surgical. And so the clinical aspect, the clinical pathology aspect is very minute. And that's not what we see here. Whereas in the U.S., it's four years, AP and CP. So it's, it's a lot that we're tackling in these four years. So that's something to note. But a sort of disclaimer there is that typically people from Ireland will have had so much training in those five years that they won't do as many fellowships as someone here from the US might do. So that's one thing. In terms of Canada, there is two broad categories of pathology. There's anatomic pathology and general pathology, which is the clinical pathology. And so although you rotate in general pathology while you're on AP, and although you rotate on anatomic pathology while you're on GP, like general pathology, your main focus is lab medicine or your main focus is the slides and surgical slides again it's a lot more focused and there the timeline it's not actually like a timeline it's actually your your progression to the program is based on competencies so if you meet them or not so it could be three years it could be five it's all dependent on the resident and their progress so it's very different than you know what I've been exposed to here it's good to know that going into it
0: I agree with you. I think that you're developing, cultivating a very sophisticated understanding of pathology, not not just the range of how it's practiced here in the US, but internationally, I think that certainly brings a a certain strength and I think is also a testament to your interest and engagement in the field. I'm kind of curious, you're coming at this at a very unique time. Uh, we're recording this in August of 2021. So we're kind of at the phase of we've been in COVID times for about a year and a half. Uh, we've got the Delta variants raging across the country right now. It's actually been really fortunate that you've been able to do an in-person elective and rotation throughout the last year and a half. I know there's been a lot of online digital resources. A lot of departments have shifted to having a lot of things they can offer virtually. I was wondering for the folks that are listening to our audience today, could you kind of compare and contrast the, the sort of in-person pathology elective with maybe some of the virtual resources that are available, at least at this point in time?
1: Mm-hmm. So I don't think anything really replaces being able to tour the facilities and meet faculty, meet residents. And I think all of that is very much priceless. But there is a lot of credit that goes to the pathology field in the United States, especially for going out of their way to really create loads of opportunities for students. So when I think of virtual pathology opportunities, I think of two main projects. So I think of Path Elective which is an absolute success. Absolutely, yes. So essentially Path Elective, it's a website where you can learn about the pathology in various organ systems, and it's very neatly organized, it's very systematic, and it helps someone like me who doesn't have formal pathology training. I'm just a medical student who's very much interested and I might be going to rotation, so I want some exposure. And so they really take that into consideration and they go step-by-step in teaching you the fundamentals and the basics they even like have some incentives like so they'll give you a certificate after you finish a course. And so that's a lot of motivation to keep going there. The one aspect here that although you're not with faculty and you're not with residents in person, they really emphasize and focus on the importance of collaborating, communicating with people in pathology and other specialties, especially on Twitter. So they will say that all the time. uh, Make sure, like, you know, tweet about this, use the hashtag Twitter homework, communicate and collaborate with your pathology community. And so that way, like relationships are still able to be fostered. And so that helps address that. And I think that's a really strong part of that program, especially for me now, like having gone into a rotation, in-person rotation, What's expected from me is not to have amazing pathology knowledge, not all. I think it's very valuable to be able to have some terms in my mind and have some of the basics, like histology basics, basic pathology aspects in my mind so that when a conversation is being had, I can follow through, maybe I can contribute to the conversation, that sort of thing. But it's it's not expected, but it's nice to be able to have some kind of background. For more laboratory education, including a listing of live conferences, webinars, and on-demand content, visit news.mayocliniclabs.com forward slash education.
0: I really like the fact that you kind of highlight the role that social media is playing. One of the themes of this podcast is, you know, connecting lab medicine and clinical practice through insightful conversations. And I think that Twitter is a powerful tool. And I realized that People are all over the gambit for what their perspective of social media is, uh, at least at this point in 2021. I think that Twitter is kind of safely that main tool for professional medical education usage. And I like the fact that you're highlighting that it really is a tool that's serving a really important function of bringing together community, whereas without this tool, that would be particularly challenging. mm mm-hmm. Are there any additional resources that you want to point out, at least that are available now in 2021?
1: Yeah, so when I was doing my research about, you know, how do I go about getting an elective? COVID was, is very much up and down at any time. An in- in-person elective opportunity can be canceled. So I was looking at vir- other virtual options. And so another type of elective is that some universities have essentially launched, you know, kind of what I'm doing here, but virtually. So they'll have a syllabus in mind, they'll have speakers, and it's all targeted for the medical students, and they can even get their residents involved. So it's a good teaching opportunity for the residents. And essentially, they're going, you know, very step by step and trying to teach you and build foundations. And there's opportunity there to collaborate with the faculty. I mean, you have your teachers. And so you can ask them questions and show your interest in that kind of manner. So I think it's very valuable as well. That's
0: awesome. Now, kind of, you're bringing in this idea of uh, how to be successful as an external rotator. And Mm -hmm. I wonder, can you kind of help us dive into that? I mean, I think this is where, you know, we've established that external rotations, there's value and importance in doing that. You've nicely kind of highlighted what are some of these resources for uh, virtual electives that are out there available, which I think, even as hopefully this pandemic, we get ahead of it in the near future and can go back to in-person, I think a lot of these resources might be uh, still available. Now, can you kind of dive in? And the meat of this podcast is really providing these uh, perspective advice for people that are following in your shoes that might be doing later electives this year Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, in the near future that are uh, looking at applying for pathology uh, the next cycle.
1: So I think first and foremost, uh, preparation is very, very important. So, for example, here in Mayo Clinic, I had to put together a bit of a mini ERAS application in the sense that I updated my CV, I wrote my personal statement, letter of recommendations are also required. So those take some time to speak to faculty and, and have that underway. So that's a very big, important part there.
0: I see. So that preparation, you've highlighted, what are some of those pieces of that? You've had a great rotation here. And uh, can you kind of dive in and elaborate on what are some of the helpful things when uh, students actually get on site for one of these rotations?
1: Yeah. So again, with pathology, it's very unique. I'm I'm very different than my friends who are doing internal med rotations or surgery rotations, where uh, their knowledge and their ability to apply their knowledge to their patients is is so important. Whereas here in pathology, the faculty really understand and empathize with your level of knowledge and that we are not exposed to this field or to the degree that, you know, pathologists actually practice. With that understanding, they really just are looking for someone who's enthusiastic and happy to be there. Again, the level of knowledge is is not much. Just like the path elective is a great way to start. The Malavi book, the very famous Malavi book is a great way to start. So keeping that in mind, I, ha- I had to think, how do I try to stand out or how do I try to do a good job? I had one other elective before this one back in my home school, and I was actually the very first student to rotate in the pathology department there. So they were very happy, very enthusiastic to be, to have me there and to have a student that was interested in pathology. But they, at the same time, they weren't sure how to... I guess, accommodate, or they weren't sure how to plan the schedule for me. And so, I mean, that was no problem for me because I said, let's create it together. I was in the midst of applying for here, applying for other pathology programs, and I knew what I was looking for. I knew the things that got my attention. So keeping that in mind, I said, what can we, can we get inspired to take some of these ideas and potentially apply them to our school for future students? Maybe it's not that students are interested, but they don't know that the opportunity is there. So that's one aspect. So that was in the first rotation. And that was something that was hopefully productive and helpful for the program and for the pathology department. Whereas here, I wasn't really sure what could the Mayo Clinic need from me or like help use me for, but I definitely kept you in mind. So I I definitely knew about this podcast beforehand, and I'm a big fan of it. And so I was thinking, okay, has Dr. Carter ever had a medical student on board? And I don't think so. And so I was like, okay, could I be the first one? And then I got to thinking like, what could I add? And I really wasn't sure about what I could be of benefit for. But then as the conversation started, you know, with you and a couple other faculty, it seems like we still want to do a lot of outreach for medical students, especially. And so I think that's where this came in, you know, that I'm a medical student. I'm seeking like opportunities to gain more experience in pathology and loads of other people are too. And I care a lot about getting students exposed to pathology early because I'm very lucky that I was. And so I think we're missing a lot of students that could potentially be in this field.
0: Absolutely. I think I really like that you're highlighting the fact that, okay, how can I stand out? And one of those things is what can you contribute? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times uh, we have very successful, intelligent, proactive applicants coming through. And I think by contributing something locally, that's a really important way because it, it also, I think, values yourself right? As a student, you're highlighting like you're, you're not a pathologist. You don't have that level of knowledge yet, but there are things that you do have. Uh, and mm-hmm. like you're highlighting here, you have this perspective, you know, how to be successful in a podcast on this. So this is this meta on how this podcast came together. I was wondering, could you kind of take a, a second and help us understand not just how we can contribute, but how do you go about thinking about cultivating those relationships, right? Because beyond just contributing something, you want to develop a relationship where somebody authentically remembers you.
1: Yeah, so that's definitely been my favorite part of this whole rotation is getting to meet the residents and the faculty and spending time with them. I think that that was very reassuring for me coming here and, you know, thinking about this program as a place that I might come to later on. So Having those relationships and seeing that you know there's a family here and that you fit quite well, you feel quite comfortable and at home. That meant a lot to me. So, but the way that that came to realization was really that I spent time with these people. So whether it was coffee breaks or, or lunch times, or I was fortunate to join the residents for like the meet and greet for the first year residents. So I came early on, and that was a picnic. And so that was really great way of meeting people and, and starting the conversation. The other thing that I think is quite small but meant a lot to me was that essentially, initially, I was placed at a desk that was far away from the residents, and I asked the chiefs, can I please uh, be in the same room with the residents just so, you know, those conversations can happen in the hallway and in the room, and, you know, like those moments happen all the time, and I and I value that a lot. So just trying to take advantage of all these opportunities to uh, bond with these people.
0: Yeah, I think what I hear when you give that example on is it possible to move uh, desks is really advocating for yourself because I'm sure there wasn't any great plan on where are we going to put somebody? In fact, you know, they probably didn't go to the program director and said, Hey, should we put the visiting medical student on the other end of the hall or something? You know, that's just kind of, somebody looked at a map and saw an open desk. And and so I think that there's a importance there of advocating for yourself in a uh, appropriate way. Is there any kind of parting words of wisdom that you want to leave with future applicants that are checking out this podcast episode?
1: Yeah, I have one more thing I'd want to say, and that's if you're going for an in-person elective, um, they also call these like away rotations or audition rotations. So essentially you're on a four-week interview interview. Uh, I think that people will, will say that to you often that hey like you know like it's a four-week interview and I think that that could be initially nerve-wracking but at the same time they don't mean any harm at all it's just that you're checking out the program and they're just trying to see who you are as well and so the most important thing that I try to always keep reminding myself is that you know I just have to be normal I have to be myself things work well they work well for both of us and I'll leave it there so just being normal and just being available for opportunities is is really like my parting advice.
0: That's wonderful. I think we're all as successful as we possibly can be if we're all feeling comfortable. So I love that those words of wisdom of just be normal and be available, brilliant. We've been rounding with Dr. Uh, Carol Rizkala on being successful as a visiting medical student. So thank you for taking the time to, to talk about this and, and really sharing your expertise and perspective with the audience.
1: Thank you so much, this was fun.
0: To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions via email, please direct any suggestions to mcleducation at mayo.edu. If you've enjoyed Lab Medicine Rounds podcast, and especially if you are a student, please follow or subscribe. Until our next rounds together, we encourage you to continue to connect lab medicine and the clinical practice through insightful conversations.